in the name version, I'm hoping, this is all just hope right now because I'm not supposed to ask until we're eight weeks out because, but I have touched base with Jesse Muller, who won the Tony Award for um, Beautiful and also was the first waitress in Waitress. So I'm trying to get her to play Francis and I'm trying to get Terrence Mann to play the head of the studio, Zucker, Adolf Zucker, who Terry went to school with us at North Carolina School of the Arts. So both my wife and I know him. So we're trying to get, he had a conflict with Apple TV. He was gonna do um, Federation, I think it's called, one of their new shows. And he, he was gonna go to England. He was gonna be shooting that weekend. But the SAG after strike seems to have saved us from that. They've put the whole shooting on hiatus now. So his representation is gonna check and see if, if he's gonna be okay to do this reading. Hello, listeners. It's Razzle Dazzle Radio time right now, and we invite you to take your seat, relax, and enjoy the wonderful news about the arts, the performing arts and the visual arts in Columbia, Maryland. I'm Carolyn Kellerman here with my co-host, Judy Templeton, and we have a terrific show today with guest artists who are going to talk about the performing arts and Spanish dancing and a lot more. And did you know it was National Hispanic Heritage Month between September 15th and October 15th. Well, you can imagine all the exciting things that will be happening in Colombia during that period of time. So without further ado, again, it's Bien, Benita. Welcome to Razzle Dazzle Radio. Take it away, Judy. Thank you, Carolyn. And yes, Razzle Dazzle on this time with the celebration of some amazing Latino performing arts events. So at the middle of all of this, I am going to say the name Elvira McCullough. She is a mover and a shaker, an influencer, a promoter, and she has done so much to celebrate Latinos and dance and the arts here in Colombia. She forms a once a month workshop, sort of fun night with Latino dance at Busboys and Poets. She's been doing that monthly for a while. And now with, as Carolyn said, the celebration of National Hispanic Month, there are some other events. So Gabriel Moreno is here to speak about them. He serves on La Alianza Commission with her, and they work on partnerships and events here in the community. So thank you so much, Gabriel, for coming on. I, I want to hear what's happening so we can all get out there and celebrate and dance and have some fun. Yeah, no, sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, so we have several events that are in the works. We ourselves are throwing one event and then others we're partnering with other organizations. So September 16th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the downtown Columbia Lakefront stage will be a Latin dance night. And uh, we'll be working with the Columbia Association down there featuring um, Elvira. She is also a DJ. So DJ Elvira will be there. Live music is a Samuel Mungia and Friends, dance lessons by Steve Jacobson, performances by the Santana Dance School, and there will be Hispanic food and drinks available. So come on out September 16th at 6 to 9 p.m. at the Columbia Lakefront. And then September 23rd, this is an event where we are, we as La Alianza Commissioner are putting together with the help of a, a fellow commissioner that actually had her the first Copa Comunidad. It's an adult soccer tournament, very successful soccer tournament happened last year. And this would be the second year where La Alianza is taking over and using everything that we know 
everything. We're going to learn from Chris Ayuve, though, when she hosted the, the first one. And so we're working on that. We'll have medals and trophies for the winners. Um, our own Chris. Our own Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yep. She does it all. She does it all. And then we also have Hispanic Heritage Month Festival. This is going to actually be the first one that we have here in Howard County in uh, Columbia at the uh, Chrysalis at the Merriweather. That's slated to be October 14th from 12 to 5 p.m. And we're partnering with the Inner Arbor Trust for that one. And there might be some room for other partnerships that we're kind of still kind of working out, but it's October 14th, 12 to 5 p.m. And we'll have community resources tables available. We'll have performances. And of course, we'll have food and drinks. Um, we're going to be inviting several food trucks to come out to bring all the different types of, of flavors from the various countries that make up Latin America. So we're, we're excited for this as this is the first time we're doing this. And I think we're very optimistic and motivated and excited to be working on this. And then also to just once everything comes to fruition and we're there and we see the people, we want everybody to come and embrace the culture of, of Latin America and, and Hispanic Heritage Month. And uh, yeah, we're excited to uh, have people come out to those events. What I find wonderful and, of course, exemplifies our beautiful city of Columbia is all the partnerships that you all have made. So, you know, you mm -hmm. mentioned that you did a partnership for the Hispanic Heritage Festival with the Inner Arbor Trust Company. And mm -hmm. then the other is with CA. And then I mm -hmm. believe that Elvira also said that, I don't know, at one of the events, I think the food was going to be done with by Offshore Collective. And we've already had. Yes, we've already had. I, I believe yeah, that about partnerships with that. Oh, definitely. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, no, offshore is I I just went there last week and I've been there a couple of times since they opened. I was at their soft opening and I, you know, I kept going back because the, the food is so delicious there. And um that'll be at the Columbia Lakefront dance party. So we'll be partnering with them. And you know, we're it's always great. You know, it, it really does take a village to, you know, be successful in some of these events. And it's it's a beautiful thing to start those those partnerships and, and uh connections and and yeah, no, we're excited about that. I, I really enjoy offshore food. I can't I recommend it enough. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And as I said, Elvira starting up the Latin nights once a month over at Busboys and Poets has included that part of the community. So mm -hmm. that's that's just the beautiful thing is that, you know, it is all combined together so that everyone can celebrate. And that I know when it comes to any of these events, there's something you can be guaranteed. You can be guaranteed to have a lot of fun, a lot of excitement, a lot of dance and good food. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. And then the, like with Elvira's events at, at Bus Boys and Poets, it's such a beautiful space. You know, they have instructors there. They have, you know, last time I went, they had one instructor and was, you know, teaching everybody, even, you know, people that have two left feet, you know, they were out there and giving it their all. And it's very enjoyable. And as as the months have gone on, more and more people are becoming aware of the, that event. And it's it's really great, you know, to have people out. And like I said, Busboys and Poets, it's such a great area. You get, we got access to that second floor, like the inside part, and then also like the outside part. And it's it's just a wonderful it's a wonderful way to, to meet people and, and gather with friends and, 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 you know, family members. And I highly enjoy those events and I invite everybody to join those as well. Gabriel, I'd like yes. to know more about the Alianza. Yeah, La Alianza. So that's a collaborative effort that began September 2020 as a work group. 
and it started Hispanic. So it was Hispanic Heritage Month 2020 when the work group started and it became a permanent commission. I believe it was October 2022. So we're kind of closing in on that one year anniversary. And it's, I sometimes describe it as a force of positive change. It's here to, you know, promote diversity, promote civility, address the the pressing concerns and needs faced by the Latino communities, including the immigrant communities, of course. And we just we're we're a positive force that are fighting to drive policies and uh, changes to uplift Latino families, businesses, and residents across the county. You know, a lot of people that live in the county may not know about the various resources that exist by that language barrier or maybe maybe the language barrier isn't there the lot of like i myself i'm bilingual i speak spanish and english and before i got involved several years ago i didn't really know where to go for things so i think having the the resources and access to those resources and knowledge base is very important to have so yeah so we're here to connect the latino and hispanic communities to the resources entrepreneurial endeavors really truly being navigators to the path to stability or success or whatever issue you know comes our way so we we are created of uh, 17 dedicated Howard County residents that work together as a commission. Then we have our, our subcommittees. Like I said earlier, we have like an events and partnership. And those are the, the ones that are working with the events that are coming up soon. And our, our mission is to, to you know, empower people in the community. Well, if you didn't know about it, now you do now. And I love that. Yeah, so another connector to the community and partnerships. And again, that's what I love about Columbia. So mm-hmm. get on your dancing shoes and get out on September 16th, or if you want to, if you're interested in soccer, the 23rd, or then you can go in October. But we've got lots of events coming up. And Gabriel, thank you so much for all your work and all your caring and all you're doing. So uh, thank let's you. Just keep it coming. Thank you. Bye bye. Everyone Bye-bye. take care. Bye. Any charges for that for the any of these events? Uh, cover charges? No, um, no, oh, they're all free. Good point, Lance. Well, the, the, the Copa Comunidad will, if you want to register to, to play in the tournament, that there, that I believe there will be a fee. We're still kind of working that out. But as far as attendance to, to, to join all these events, it will be free. Even right. better. <laughs> <laughs> right. All this and free too. Yeah. But, yeah. Thank yeah, you We'll again. be out there. I will say the, some of the food and the drinks will, there will be a charge, but to attend and to dance at all these events will be free, I guess I should say. I don't want to overpromise. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. All right. Thanks again. And take care. So as we like to say on Razzle Dazzle, we like to talk about the past, present, and future. So we just heard a little bit about the present. So now we're going to go back in the time machine here and ask anybody if they ever heard of Pete the Pirate. So if you have or haven't, his son is sitting here with us. It is Lance's father. And so he had an early, early introduction into showbiz. So talk about what that was like and, and how that was with your father. Pretty famous here in Baltimore. Well, interestingly enough, he was doing it when I was a child. My They, they came from Indiana and they moved from Indiana to Maryland because my father was working as a DJ in Indiana and a fellow classmate of his from college found an ad that's from WBAL saying you should be in television, send us an, an audition. And since he was DJing there, he could make the audition in the studio and he sent them something and they called him in to audition for it. He came to Baltimore and called my mother who he had just married, she was still a senior in college. 
And he said, we're not going to move here because this is not a good town. I don't want to live here. Uh, so I'm just going to do this audition and then come home, which is a great way. Of, all the actors out there in the audience know that's a great way to do an audition. It's wonderful because you there's no pressure. It's like, right. I, don't want, I don't want the job. I'm just going to do it. So they offered it to him on the on the spot. And he passed on it. He said, I'm going to go back to Indiana and teach horsemanship. And they said, you're going to what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So he left and went back. And there was one guy named Brent Guns. I can't believe I remember his name, but he wouldn't let that go. He was like, why does the guy want to go back to Indiana when we could put him on television? What is wrong with him? So he called up and said, what's the holdup? And he said, I just got married. I'm here. He, he said, well, does your wife, is your wife a performer? He said, well, yeah, she's a major. She's majoring in drama. Well, have her come audition. And he said, no, she's still in college. She can't. So they came to them. They came to Indiana. Oh, and my. My mom had her walking down the street talking about things in the windows as they walked. And they decided to cast her as well. And they put the, together a show called What's New with the Lumens. Oh, that's and, great. Um, the whole concept was that they were coming from Indiana and they would, you know, learn about Baltimore. It was just, that was the whole, what's, so they had the McCormick Spice Factory just opened. They talked about them. They had people come in. Mom sort of played the ditzy person and dad was like, was sort of a Grayson. What was the guy's name? The comedian who lived to be over a hundred. George uh, and Grayson. Yeah, George Eric, and Grayson. George Burns, yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. kind of that kind of feel. And then she got pregnant with me and they forcibly retired her. Oh, yeah. Back in those uh, days, okay, that's yeah, what they did. Yep. Pregnant woman on TV. So she was sent home from that. And the, as my father said, the ratings plummeted. And, uh, and he said we had three asterisks in the ratings, which meant that there was no evidence that anyone even in this building was watching the show. So they asked him to submit some ideas for a kid's show. He had remembered that same person who talked him into auditioning had talked about how there's never a kid's show with a bad person, you know, like a pirate or something. <laughs> And he yeah. said, that would be cool, I think. And so he called. He, he, they said to submit some ideas. So he submitted four of them and then called his friend and said, can I use the pirate idea? And he said, yeah, I'm not going to use it. So he put Pete the pirate on the list. And that's the one they picked. And um, that's what they talked about when he passed away in 2013. All they oh. talked about was Pete the pirate. So yeah. we're, Okay. So then were you on the show? No, well, I was king of the little people in one episode. Apparently, oh, they put well, me I on. Mean, a, hey, that's a good resume item. <laughs> on a throne, yeah, as a little, little, little kid. Yeah, they were always doing things that, for the most part, were were cool. But at one point in dinner theater, when dinner theater was a little more cutting edge than it is now, back when it was first started, they were doing "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf." Mm. My mother had my and my father were George and Martha. Wow. And I was too young to see it, but I wasn't too young to hear them rehearsing it in the living room while I was <laughs> laying in bed thinking, my, my, my parents' marriage is over. <laughs> this is bad. They are not getting along. But, and I swore I would never go into the, that, you know, because it was a lack of imagination to go into that field. I was not going to be an actor. No way. And, you did not accomplish is, that. No, life, is, life, life does steals you, you know. Well, All kinds of things. Yeah, you don't expect it. It was the one thing that I did in college, in high school that I didn't hate. So when my uh, parents said, you're going to college, I said, is there a way to do theater in college? And he found North Carolina School of the Arts. And it was just sheer luck that it was the beginning of the uh, Alliance for the League of Professional Actor Training Programs. It was called mm -hmm. there were 10 schools in it. And North Carolina School of the Arts was one of them. So they did a presentation of the seniors at the end of every four years. And 
you know, that's what, that's how we presented ourselves. We took out about two or three years of pounding the pavement, trying to find work, you know, because people would say, call me when you get in the city after they'd seen you audition, all the seniors auditioned from all 10 schools. And the year that we auditioned, we were number one. They basically, how many callbacks you get. Well, you have done something that not many can do. And that is that you have pretty much done your career in acting in all kinds of various ways. And and I think that your wife as well has joined you in that. So talk about that and how you've made that happen. Well, we, we, we went to school arts together. We knew each other in school. We were not involved in school. We met in New York after we'd both moved to New York right. and we were both pursuing acting at that time. And uh, we got involved and continued to do that and got married and continued to do that. And then after we got married, Kristen didn't want to live in New York really anymore because it wasn't family kind of town. Yeah. <laughs> So we went to Los Angeles for about six months, decided that wasn't going to work. So wonder what we're going to do next. And I did some homework and um, learned that the Baltimore, Washington area is the third largest actor market in the country. It's bigger than San Francisco. It's bigger than Chicago. It seemed like that was the third choice. And, you know, my family being here was made it a little bit easier. So we we moved here in 1990 and started doing realized that we couldn't continue to do theater, which we were doing in New York because we couldn't make a living in that so we did television and film, mostly on camera for about, I don't know, 10 years, maybe. And then sort of, I sort of made a shift over from, we had three kids during that time. And I shifted over from on camera to voiceover. And I've done several hundred narrations for National Geographic. And then also, aren't you connected with Afro SAG too? So you've done work with them as well. Yeah, I was the president of SAG after here locally for for the first eight years of the merged union existence. When the two unions merged in 2012, they selected a new body of officers for the 2013 year, and I ended up being president. They'd been asking me for a long time. I had been on the board for a long time. I was standing out waiting for my car with a colleague, and he said, I think in light of your long relationship with the industry in this town and your parents' legacy, there would be a certain poetry to you being the first president of the merged union. And they'd been asking me for years. And I was like, I'm going to think about that. The, the way he, the way he put that, I love the fact that he called it poetry. So I uh, ended up running and ended up being the president for four terms. I guess that would be 21. August and 21 is the first year that I didn't run for president. Oh. And um, mostly that was because of my current ventures, I guess. Endeavor right now, which let's go ahead and segue. You gave me a great segue. So (laughs) when we talk about past, present, and future. So now Lance has written a pretty intriguing play. I spent a full lunch hearing about it and I just love it. So tell us about that. It's a musical based on the life of Francis Farmer. Francis Farmer was a movie star in the 1930s and 40s who was involuntarily committed to an insane asylum by her mother. So it's a happy little musical, as you can imagine. Um, (laughs) um, Jessica Lange played her in in a movie that was released in 1982, which happened to be the year that I came to New York. And that's all anybody was talking about was that movie when it came out. So... Well, I'll tell you real quick how we ended up. My wife and I are songwriters and had been, that's actually how we met. She had a book full of lyrics and I had a bunch of cassettes with a bunch of music and we decided (laughs) we should make some songs together and get together. And that's what we did. And we started growing a catalog and I would start working on something and I would go look at her book and see if there was anything that fit that, what I was doing. So I started working on this piano piece and found a song called When Will It Be Morning? And so we started working on that together and she came and heard that they were her lyrics and she started to throw some 
melody ideas that she was thinking about in it. And when we were finished and recorded it, we listened back to it and we said, wow, that sounds like it's from a musical. We don't usually write songs that sound like they're from musicals, but oh, well, there it is. And I didn't think we'd ever look at the song again unless somebody said, hey, you got something sounds like it's from a musical. And a couple of weeks later, she was walking home from work and she walked by an old bookstore and there was a table with used books on it for a couple of bucks, you know, read it again. It's already been used. And she's just looking at the books to see if anything's interesting. And she sees one that's titled, Will There Really Be a Morning? Which was literally a line from When Will It Be Morning, the song that we'd written. So she gravitated to it, walked over, picked it up. It was the autobiography of Francis Farmer. Mm. So she bought the book for 50 cents and brought it home and said, a musical based on the life of Francis Farmer. And I'm like, great idea. (laughs) So what did we do? We did what songwriters would do. And we researched Francis Farmer and wrote songs that might be in a musical about Francis Farmer for about 30 years. Wow. That's how long that project's going. Yeah, we've been throwing, you know, just songs in an envelope, calling it the musical. Somewhere along the line, we'll find somebody who'll write the book. I have a question. Yes. Do you have people in mind to perform this musical? Not in the final analysis, because I'm not sure that we want famous people. The more I've learned about connecting famous people to musicals, I I joined a group called Theater Makers, the Theater Makers Studio, which is run by two-time Tony Award-winning producer Ken Davenport. So he sort of became a mentor to me. And in his book, he talks about if you attach a star, you run the risk of the star being the reason people are coming. And so if they leave after a year or two, the musical's over because that's why they're coming. So if you make the musical the star, then it doesn't matter how often the, the, the cast turns over. So you need a basically a famous producer or director to draw in the investors. But for the most part, we're probably not going to look for stars. But right now, funny you should ask that, we are about to do an industry reading, which is just something that when you're moving forward toward Broadway, that's something eventually you do an industry slash investor reading in New York at one of the rehearsal spaces. So we're going to do it at the Open Jar in November. And they want my general manager, who's Martin Platt. He's a very well-known person. He started the Alabama Shakespeare Company and ran it for 18 years. And he's sort of a VIP in the, in the theater world in New York. He told us that we should do this investor reading next and that we should get names. In them. And he said people in the industry will come to see names that they know. Right. Show. So right now we're looking for names. So in answer to your question, in the name version, I'm hoping... This is all just hope right now because I'm not supposed to ask until we're eight weeks out because, but I have touched base with Jesse Muller, who won the Tony Award for um, Beautiful and also was the first waitress in Waitress. So I'm trying to get her to play Francis and I'm trying to get Terrence Mann to play the head of the studio, Zucker, Adolf Zucker, who Terry went to school with us at North Carolina School of the Arts. So both my wife and I know him. So we're trying to get, he had a conflict with Apple TV. He was going to do um, Federation, I think it's called, one of their new shows. And he he was going to go to England. He was going to be shooting that weekend. But the SAG after strike seems to have saved us from that. They've put the whole shooting on hiatus now. So his representation is going to check and see if, if he's going to be okay to do this reading. Also, there's a role of Clifford Odette, who was very involved with Francis in a very not healthy way. And Isaac Powell, who was the original, um, I mean, he just recently did the revival on Broadway of, uh, he played Tony. So he's he's an amazingly gifted guy and a, a name as well. And he knows Gabriel from college. He also went to college with us. 
So the only person we don't know at all or have had and haven't had any connection with is Philippa Sue, who played the wife of Hamilton and the original wife of Hamilton and Hamilton, along with other things that she's done. She's had quite the career. And we're going to try to get her to be the secretary there. Zucker and the secretary are kind of like the comic duo in the show. They sort of provide a little bit of relief from all the intensity in the show. That is quite a project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I cannot even imagine your life day to day. <laughs> yeah. As, I mean, I sort of see it as fight or flight, you know? I mean, yeah. Exactly. I have moments when I go, maybe this isn't going to work. <laughs> oh, but you've come this far, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that was production uh, last year in April of 2022. And we got 11 nominations from Broadway work, which were great. I mean, we came out on top and beat Kimberly Akimbo, which just swept the Tony Awards. We beat him in every category except two, which we tied. And that was Best Director and Best uh, New Score. So. Lance, I tell you, I don't know if you're really one person. I think you're a couple in there for sure for all that you've done. And I'm so amazed and impressed by your career that has been solidly built in showbiz for sure. And uh, I know that you uh, spend a lot of time doing voiceovers and that if anybody knows how hard it is to get voiceovers, because I do. So that's quite an accomplishment as well. So we are going to stick around and we are going to wait for you to come back on our show and tell us that it's all happening. And don't forget, right. Carolyn and I, if you're giving out any comps, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, if anybody's interested, the web address for the musical is musicalbrilliance.com. Okay. We will make sure we will make sure to post that and it's uh, called brilliance. Excellent. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. And I know it's going to be a hit and I know I'm going to see it on Broadway. I'm sure. I'm just Thank you. I'm just Very visualizing true. myself there. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> okay, let's hold that thought. We've been razzled and we've been dazzled today. Carolyn, do you have any parting thoughts? Yes, I do. And I'd like to mention a couple of things that are happening this summer that we didn't touch on. But before that, I do want to ask Lance, our purpose at Razzle Dazzle is to identify performers, artists, and give them a push and a support. And we celebrate hometown folks. Where Where is your roots? How are you connected to Columbia? I actually live in Ellicott City. Well, okay, Howard County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I live in Ellicott City, and I, I actually have done uh, Sally Livingston, who used to run um, the drama at, wow, uh, but, yeah. at, at Wild Lake. I met her at Center Stage when I first started working professionally after I got out of college, and I recontacted her when I we got together after I got back from New York, and she started me helping with the Howard County Schools, and I became an employee of the Howard County Public School System. I am a, technically an advisor, a drama advisor, and all of the schools, with the exception of two of the 12 schools in Howard County, I've worked at 10 of them. But Sally's, she moved on to Marriott's Ridge and we did every show. We co-directed every show that she did there, basically. And uh, I also worked a lot with Pam Land at River Hill, who was her best friend. And then she in introduced me to all the other ones that I worked for. And I would either do fight co combat choreography. I do dialects. I do scene study. You know, whatever they needed, they call and say, can you help us out with this show? So that was that's a big connection to Howard County. Yes, it is. Thank you. And shout out to Sally. We all loved her for sure and miss her. Yeah, my best friend. Yeah. All right, Carolyn, tell us any more before okay. we have to go. What to expect coming up? Wine in the garden, beer in the barn. Every year 
Thursday, September 21st at the Howard County Conservancy. Go mm. online to purchase tickets. It's This is where you wander around the flowers and you taste different wine. That's great. And there's food and all that sort of thing. There's raffles. There's a silent auction. There's live music. So it's a lovely night and it supports the Howard County Conservancy over in Old Frederick Road in Ellicott City. Or maybe it's the Woodbine. I'm not sure. Anyway, to purchase tickets, you go to howardnature.org slash wine. Excellent. Sounds like a fun night. (laughs) Yeah. The summer sort of rolls into September and October at Merriweather Post. It's not ending, you know, the last day of summer. It's continuing on into fall. And of course, that's always fun to sit on the grass and listen to good music. For sure what the, the the rest of the season brings, but you can find out that one. I know you can find out easily. Always so much to do here. <laughs> we have to wrap it up. We've had so much fun. Thank you, both of our guests, Gabriel, Lance. Until next time, it's Judy Templeton and Carolyn Kellerman on Razzle Dazzle Radio. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Media Podcast. 